Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, great to have you in today. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, all of our guests, when they do appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Those guests, uh, they include Matt Neverett. He uh, does uh, play-by-play work for both uh, UNLV and the Las Vegas Aviators. You know, um, UNLV football is uh, coming up here on Saturday, on uh, Saturday. In fact, I was just talking to a radio show uh, in Las Vegas. Shout out to uh, Cofield and Company, who I was just talking to from uh, ESPN Las Vegas. And, uh, oh, you know the awkward part about it? And I didn't, I didn't know this, but um, their show is simulcast in Reno. So it's ESPN Las Vegas, but it's also ESPN Radio Reno. And uh, they're talking about, you know, UNLV in Hawaii. And they, they did bring up the fact, and I think they said, you know, for, for listeners in Reno, uh, well, uh, you know, Hawaii beat you. So, that, you know, that part was a little bit awkward. But um, but other than that, you know, it was pretty cool. Uh, great time chatting with them, and I'll see them in a couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, they come down. Uh, Steve Cofield's the uh, one of the the play by play voice, or or one of the on air voices for uh, for UNLV football. So I'll get to see him down here, uh, and then um, I'll see them in a couple of weeks for basketball because uh, Steve also does play by play for basketball. So uh, looking forward to seeing them. Really, they were just kind of asking about like Hawaii's offense, and really kind of not not really anything in particular. But the last thing that was brought up, I'll, I'll I, I thought we would be past this, but we're not. Tanner, you're giving me a look. You're getting. What do you think it is when I say what what got brought up? At the very last question of the interview, and and, and partly, by the way, um, the reason why it was the last question of the interview was because, A, um, I had the afternoon show, so that I, I had to bounce. B, they double booked, so they had to move. They were going to move me. I was like, no, I got the afternoon show. So they bumped someone else to make sure I, they, they got me in. So um, yeah, they were cool. I'm not throwing them under the bus. They're 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 awesome. They're they're super cool dudes. Um, but take a guess what the last question was of the interview about Hawaii football, Tanner. Uh, surely about uh, Norm Von Oppen. <laughs> or, no. Uh, or Norm Chow. No. I can't think of anything else that could possibly be uh, brought up with negative attitudes about the uh, Hawaii football program. It actually wasn't the coach. Oh, it wasn't? No. It wasn't Todd? It was not. It was a byproduct. I thought it was it Todd. Wasn't, it wasn't Todd. Uh, you know this because I did the Todd Graham counter during the fans' voice on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I thought you because you were so over the whole Todd Graham stuff. I still am. Which we all are. Yes. That I thought that that would be the most like negative thing that I could think of. No, recently. Um, they brought up Shevin, and 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 uh, <laughs> no, and and that's why I said it's a byproduct of it. That that's why I say it because the and I don't remember if it was Steve or if it was Willie the co-host, but he said 
you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was reading that, you know, with all the all the players leaving and stuff like that, it was Shevin leaving that really set people off, wasn't it? So I guess it kind of was about Todd, but it was uh, really more so about Shevin's impact, I guess, of him. That's the best way to put it. Um, his impact of leaving rather than all hath fury on one guy. As you see, like the, the horns and the fire coming out of the back of my head. Um, I, but seriously, I thought we'd be past it. We're in mid-November. Well, to be fair, the matchup is next week against Shevin Cordero. And I think that for most people, I think if you are a Mountain West enjoyer, the last couple of years, you know about Shevin Cordero, yeah. whether it was that uh, year with where he was battling Cole McDonald for mm-hmm. basically the entire year, the last two years where he showed that he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the Mountain West and right. also had times where he struggled. You knew who Shevin Cordero was if you watched Mountain West football right. and how important he was to the Hawaii football program because born and raised here, decided to stay here instead of leaving. And I think, you know, that I don't think that that's too bad of a question to ask or to, like, even, you know, ask to expand upon, you know, being representatives of Hawaii football program. How do yeah. we feel about, you know, the impact of him leaving? And to be fair, if he didn't leave, this offseason would definitely be very different. I, and I think that's kind of where it was going. Um, I, I think when, you know, if, if, if as you said, he didn't leave what would happen um i i i really thought i'd kind of put that away uh to to be honest so it was kind of just like brought back fresh um but i think it was all it's it's also a reminder of what kind of makes hawaii unlv feel a little bit different than maybe it would have that let's i mean i I hesitate in saying that because I even think back to um, you know to, to last year, Hawaii had all the things, laid a gigantic egg inside Allegiant Stadium. Don't think we've ever found that egg, um, and you know it was that was one of the more disappointing, frustrating showings of last year. Was a rivalry game um, against UNLV with Hawaii having the right people in the right places to win except for, I don't know, adult leadership. That's all. And uh, I think we'd be looking at that particular game, uh, this iteration of Hawaii and UNLV, we'd be looking at it very differently this year if not for all of those circumstances because I I, I understand we, we use the cliche all the time it's a rivalry game. We tend to throw out the things, you know, UNLV is a double digit favorite. You know, uh, we tend to throw that all out the window because it's a rivalry game. All that stuff doesn't really matter. You know what? Um, Hawaii has found itself as an underdog almost every single week. And I don't care about what the, uh, whether they've covered or not covered. Um, kind of mattered they've lost all but two games this year so does kind of matter and Hawaii is a double-digit underdog against UNLV coming into today's uh not today's game but into Saturday's game uh 
so why look at it differently? And oh, UNLV, both of these teams have stuff to play for. The trophy's on the line. Um, that's that's up at stake. Bowl eligibility is on the line uh, for UNLV. Um, Hawaii's got 20 seniors that they're going to celebrate at the end of the game. And Hawaii usually wins more often than not on senior night. That's in the numbers. Um, it, it, it just would have felt different if you had, going into this game, Darius Muasal and uh and and Jevin Cordero and a whole bunch of others that this would be a different feel of a kind of game um that being said i you know and and i wish i had the chance and and that's why we're going to bring in Matt Neverett a little bit later on um from Las Vegas to really talk about the uh, the UNLV angle of things because i want to see how different this game feels for them as compared to how different this game feels for us. Obviously, last year also had the different meaning because Hawaii was also uh, trying for bowl eligibility. In fact, everything is flooding back now within the last 20 minutes or so. Remember, I, I oh man, the, the, uh, the unfortunate memories of last year are now streaming back. What do I mean by the unfortunate memories? That loss basically sunk what we thought would be uh, Hawaii's bowl eligibility until ESPN created a bowl to make sure everybody could play in a bowl that could and would have gotten Hawaii into the easy post-Hawaii bowl, which was ultimately canceled because of Hawaii's COVID outbreak. But I remember it fondly. 27 to 13 loss. And I remember fondly seeing the post game video of, I think it was Shevin in the locker room, not in the locker room, in the press conference, like devastated. I, I remember hearing a couple of guys saying, you know, they wanted this for their seniors. And, you know, they were devastated that they couldn't get their seniors one more game. That that was such the backbreaker. And, you know, Hawaii did itself some favors after that when it beat Colorado State and when it beat, you know, Wyoming. Um, and, and I guess there's a lot to speak to the character of those that powered through whatever just gunk was going through that program at that time. But... That November 13th, 2021, frankly, um, that was such a, a low note for, for Hawaii football, not because of any particular individual, not because of, um, you know, not because of any controversy or anything like that, but I had, it had been a while since I had seen a group of players, um, you know, a, a team just look so, I don't know, dejected. And just, I, I don't even know if embarrassed was the word, but dejected. And, and you know, the worst thing about it 
And this is the other thing that I remember saying back on November 13th, and I think ultimately when we came back on the radio on November 15th on that Monday, was I was also kind of embarrassed for some of those guys. Because I remember, I believe, when I believe it was Shevin who was crying in the press conference, right? Um, and I think I remember saying at the time, he should have never been put in that situation. Like, I would have never trotted out any player after a game in which UNLV holds you to 13 points in a game that should, frankly, not have been that close. And let one of your guys stand there and look that dejected, frankly, at times brokenhearted, that they felt like they let their team down in that one game because there at that time was no chance for a bowl game. I feel like at the very least, when these teams get together on Saturday, that you get to kind of wipe your hands clean of that. But there is also that little bit of the payback that comes into play on Saturday, too, because technically UNLV did what it thought it did to Hawaii, what we all thought it actually did to Hawaii, was knock out its bowl eligibility. Turned out Hawaii ended up knocking that out of itself. It was called COVID. Um, But Hawaii actually has that opportunity to potentially do that to UNLV. Funny enough, UNLV could actually go five and seven. And if there are not enough teams, ESPN apparently has not ruled out the possibility of A, five and sevens, and B, maybe even another bowl to round out a, uh, a, 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 frankly, less than stellar bowl season. So, I mean, we could actually say right now that uh, this is an opportunity to end UNLV's bowl chances, but we could be wrong again if there are no- a number of teams that don't even want to step up to 6-6 six and six this season. Man, I... I I was not planning for this first segment to go the way it did. I had a, a, a lot of other things that I wanted to do. Um, and then all of a sudden, as soon as I mentioned Chevin Cordero's name and all of, of, of the flashbacks, because I, I remember, too, Arnold Martinez and I were, uh, were, were filling in for Chris and Gary. We were doing uh, our portion of uh, the pregame show, and we did halftime from, uh, from Big City Diner at Windward Mall. Um, I remember that because that was uh, that was frustrating. It, it was um, the energy even that place for that game was uh, was frustrating. It was hard to walk out of that um, after uh, after that particular night. I can remember all the things that I don't want to remember about that particular day on November thirteenth, twenty twenty one. Hopefully, November. 19th, 2022, turns out to be a a heck of a lot better for Hawaii football, and they'll have a chance to do it at home with so many things at stake, and uh, and, and not only that, uh, but an opportunity to, uh, at the very same time, uh, try to send the seniors out in uh, only the way that Hawaii sends out its seniors. On what is really senior weekend, not just for football, uh, but Milana Bird, uh, Hawaii women's volleyball player, is going to be sent off 
as the lone senior for Hawaii Volleyball Sunday. Uh, make sure you check that out at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. And if you missed her interview with Kanoa Leahy, you can check it out on demand at ESPNHonolulu.com. I was starting to set up what's on the show. Didn't do it. Uh, Big John McCarthy, uh, Bellator MMA analyst, will help us through uh, two title fights on Friday in Chicago on Showtime. Uh, he's going to join us coming up just after the bottom of the hour. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Matt Neverett, who does play-by-play for UNLV and for the Las Vegas Aviators. Uh, Matt's going to be with us in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little bit more uh, about UNLV. And uh, I, I want to talk specifically uh, about how much one position makes. And, um, and, and particularly that quarterback position uh, because they have lost now five in a row. But they've, got, they've gotten Brumfield back. They have been uh, a, a little more competitive offensively. But really, what has been the difference uh, between what UNLV was pre his injury and what has happened to them now? I mean, he came back. He only threw for 172 uh, against Fresno State in a, a very difficult Bulldog win. And what will it take here moving forward? That is uh, on the way. Oh, speaking of important dates, let me give you one more. November 22nd, that is uh, our next really big road show. It's at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Uh, our entire team is going to be there. going to be joined by guests like Artie Wilson and Charlie Wade and Stephen Sai, who uh, I think just wants to show up there and, and uh, gloat about his New York Jets. Um, because, you know, the one time they're good, you got to tell everybody about it. So he probably will. Um, and we'll have a lot more. Prizes, great food, great drinks. They've got about 100 brews on tap right behind the bar. Uh, it's a, a, a really, really good spread of those you can check out. That's Growler Hawaii Parking, easily accessible. Uh, check it out on your uh, your way home from work or uh, if you just you know want to just be there and chill. Uh, join us at... Uh, Growler Hawaii for the really big road show coming up next Tuesday. Surf right here. You're listening to the Sports Animals. This is ESPN Honolulu. All right, Sports Center update is uh, about six and a half minutes away here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Big John McCarthy is going to be with us uh, just after that as we'll look at the uh, double title fights. Uh, coming up Friday, Bellator paper. Uh, it's not pay per view. Uh, it's Bellator on Showtime. Pay per view. They don't need no stinking pay per view. Just turn on Showtime on a Friday night, you, and 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 use the money you would spend on a pay per view to buy a whole bunch of food and a whole bunch of beverages to wash down the food with while you're watching some really good uh, MMA bouts. That's that's called a that's called value. So Bellator brings you good bouts, good value uh, on a Friday night. So uh, that coming up in a little bit. You can get in touch with us. There's Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. And you can send us your tweets at Sports Animals and at Josh on the radio. Uh, what we'll also get into uh, a, a little bit later on, Kyrie Irving may come back potentially by Sunday. And 
I was um I, I was I was I was watching the late show last night with with Stephen Colbert and you know, Kyrie's situation has been brought up many times. It's been brought up in late night shows. It's been brought up uh, all all over the entertainment space. But um, one of Stephen's guests, who is uh, John Stewart, was was talking about that situation along with um, you know Yay and what he did and so on and and it was brought up by Dave Chappelle. On Saturday, and there's something that was said by uh, by both, actually, more so John Stewart than than Dave Chappelle. But there was something that was said that kind of um, adjusted my thinking about the Kyrie Irving situation. Not necessarily like the punishment, but maybe in the reaction, um, not and not even the immediate reaction, but more so about trying to understand the person. I'll explain that. It, it, it sounds like it's a little all over the place. I will admit it It probably is in the limited time I could explain that. Um, but but there's a good reason I have for that, and uh, I'll, I'll share that with you coming up in just a little bit. Hey, we're doing something cool, uh, by the way, during the state football tournament that we really wanted uh, want you to check out. And we're doing it in conjunction with some of the uh, really good future journalists at Pearl City High School. It's the road to the ship. And uh, we want you to check that out. We've got that at uh, ESPNHonolulu.com. Check out some of our future media folks as uh, they tell you about the state tournament. It is brought to you by Hawaii Army National Guard, Honorbox Chiropractic, M. Dyer Global, Pearl City Shopping Center, and Zephyr Insurance. Big John McCarthy on the other side. Great to have you in. We're expecting uh, Big John McCarthy to join us coming up in just a little bit uh, with uh, Bellator MMA and Bellator 288 uh, coming up on Friday. Three main card editions, uh, two world title fights. Uh, so as soon as Big John's ready, we'll have him uh, coming up here in just a little while. Our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. Um, there is a quote attributed to a Kevin Durant, not not one of those um, like fake Twitter checkmark people, but it would certainly read like one, you know, those fake blue checkmark people, those that you know spewed out eight bucks so they could be made to look important and get a whole bunch of followers and likes and and retweets and you know up until the fact that they suspended that because people were abusing it. Um, but it was, it was a quote that just read straight out of a parody playbook. The only problem is that it wasn't a parody quote. It was real and it came from Kevin Durant's in his interview with Chris Haynes from Bleacher Report. He said a couple things that, um, are 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 very much uh, appropriate when you think of uh, why Kevin Durant is kind of looked at the way he is, and and also appropriate is to understanding 
why he asked for a trade. He actually talked about the trade request. He also talked about um, what to expect when uh, you've got a starting lineup that was, um, you know, what he's been a part of. Um, and and I don't I know where to start rather than where to, you know, the, the, the fake lead would be what you read first. The parody-like quote, uh, which is what you would think that you would be reading uh, from somebody who just decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something some bleep sports, you know, that starts with a starts with ball and ends with something else. You know, one of those one of those fake ones um, would would come up with. But he talked about how his team doesn't measure up. And that he wants to instill confidence into his teammates that they have a legitimate chance. And there's nothing like instilling confidence in your teammates. Like this quote from Kevin Durant, and I quote, Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Summer, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there, close quote. Um, Kind of reads like, I don't know, to me it reads a little parody-ish uh, with the exception of, A, it's true, and B, don't you want that? I don't know. I, 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 I always try to think of the best players in each sport and then try to attach the automatic like leader name next to each of those players just because you think the alphas, based on their accomplishments and, and what they are able to do, it also leads to what they're able to say. They say the right things. They lead in the right way. Like You think all of that kind of comes together and um you know and, and 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 creates just like that perfect storm of like the right player like how often do you think of the perfect best player in a sport who plays like the best player in a sport and then leads like the best player in the sport and frankly there aren't a lot so there is um there is nothing more confidence instilling than naming your guys by name, I'd be like, oh, yeah, look at us. You expect us to be good because I'm there. Uh... Kevin, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go back to things that I have said about leaders and things that I have said about generational and franchise-type players. And this, and this transcends... Um, this transcends basketball. This this goes along with other sports. But I also say this knowing that Kevin Durant is not 37 years old and his body is not breaking down like LeBron's is. Kevin Durant is still in prime years. When there are people who believe that the Nets should be better and that their lineup should perform better because he is on it, um, yes. They should believe that. And they should believe that because they should believe 
that Kevin Durant should want to be the guy that elevates his teammates to the next level. And if he does not, because when I read that, I don't read that like somebody who wants to make his team better. I read that as, hey, we suck. Um, But you just expect us to not because there's this guy who wears number seven and me. Um, But, you know, look at us. Realistically, look at look at look at what we are. I mean, I I think you can attack trying to instill confidence in a much different way than uh, just saying, we got a bunch of these guys. They're no good. Um, but you just think we're supposed to be perfect because I play. But the other thing that got uh, brought up in the piece was him wanting the trade. You remember that in the offseason, right? Um, he wanted the trade, and there was an ultimatum out there allegedly about him or Steve Kerr, and then ultimately the the, the Brooklyn Nets would get together. They they stuck by Steve Kerr at the time. Uh, not Steve Kerr, Steve Nash. Stuck by Steve Nash at the time, and then uh, ultimately Steve Nash would, would be fired. But, um, you know, they didn't want... Uh, they didn't want Kevin Durant to kind of run things the way that it seemed like he was. Kevin Durant explained this to Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report, saying, and I quote, It wasn't difficult at all to request a trade because it was about ball. I went to them and was like, yo, I don't like how we are preparing. I don't like shoot-arounds. I like practices. I need more. I want to work on more bleep. Hold me accountable. Get on my bleep in film if that's going to help you get on everybody else's head. I want to do more closeouts. I want to work on more shell drills at practice. That was the type of bleep I was coming at them with. It wasn't like, yo, y'all need to make sure everybody around me can make my life easier. I want to make everybody else's life easier. Ask Steve Nash. You can go call him right now. I would say, yo, I need more closeout drills. We need to practice more. That's what I was on, close quote. But I do wonder, outside of just that last sentence, um, of all those things that Kevin Durant wanted, he wanted practices, not shoot-arounds. He wanted all of that. Um, did he ever vocalize that to Steve Nash? That's what I, I, I'd love to know because uh, I'm sure if he vocalized that to Steve Nash, Steve Nash would probably give in a little bit and bend because if Kevin Durant wants it, then you know what? I'm sure a lot of the team will will, will fall lockstep behind that and say, you know what? Uh, if KD wants it, then I want it, and we'll go along with it. I'm sure if... But I'm also sure Steve Nash knows how hard it is to coach in the NBA, uh, now no longer doing that, because everybody seems to want their load management day. 82-game season, not a lot of time to get 82 games in, that you're trying to make sure that you have, you know, you're, you've got fresh enough legs by the time you get to the postseason that you don't, you don't want to wear your guys out. 
So that means, okay, if, uh, if, if that means more shoot-arounds and less practices because how much are you going to get better in practice? And frankly, how much is, is practicing closeouts going to better your team if only a couple of guys are really caring about playing defense? Um, I'm sure Steve Nash actually understood what it was that his team probably needed. But again, Kevin Durant ever truly intimate that to Steve Nash? Or did he just decide he was going to go behind him and be like, hey, guys, um, what's the problem with this? I want out. This ain't right for me. And, you know, the, the crummy timing of that, too, is that it's not like Kevin Durant's body's 100%. Kevin Durant's body could actually use less practices, and it could use more shoot-arounds. It could use the ability to be healthy for 82 games instead of for 60. You know, um, Kevin Durant could use the lifespan of his NBA career to be extended out by another year or two to be one of uh, to continue to be one of the five best players currently playing the game. I appreciate wanting closeout drills. I appreciate um, wanting to do shell drills. Uh, cool. Be accountable for all 82 games. And if you don't want that, then I don't want to hear you're taking the game off. I don't want to hear you're going to rest the back half of a of a back-to-back. I don't want to hear it. You want, uh, you want to put the entire team on a tougher stretch to do more work, have less rest? You want to put your team through that? Then you, you, you've got to be at the forefront of that. You've got to be able to wear it, too. And uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Kevin Durant could honestly cash that. Uh, you can get in touch with us our Twitter feed uh, at Josh on the Radio. Great to have you in here on this Tuesday. We're still waiting on Big John McCarthy. Uh, we are, uh, we're, we're, we're hoping to get him in here in just a little while. Uh, Tanner, you asked a question on Kobe um, back when Kobe played back in was it 2007? What was your what was what was your statement on Kobe? Well, this is in light of Kevin Durant and him, you know, requesting that trade. It, that, and a lot of people did point this out when it did happen that that trade request really felt like when Kobe requested a trade back in 2007, when the team wasn't what it was because it was still coming off the post Shaq trade, where the all you know the team was basically crumbling down a little bit, and I believe it was an interview with Stephen A. Smith where um, Kobe said that he wanted out of L.A. Mm-hmm. And he wanted, to, and it came out later, he wanted to go to Chicago. Chicago was the top of his list. He already had a place in mind. Teams, you know, inquired. He had, there was a quote of him saying, like, they had a deal with Detroit, but Kobe said, I don't want to go to Detroit. <laughs> so there were possibilities of Kobe being traded in 07, and eventually Phil Jackson talked him down. They got through the season, and... You know, that's all she wrote for his career as right. he stayed there. But I think with KD, he sees that as his way of telling Steve, hey, man, what you're doing, it's not working. And I get what your point with a lot of the, you know, him saying like, oh, I wanted these drills, I want these drills. I don't want a lot of shoot-arounds. Okay, then be accountable for the entire season. I get that. But I also think there, there are points where, yeah, this team is not good on defense. 
and it needs a lot of help on defense. And a lot of the returns that they got for guys, you know, for their return for James Harden, basically, mm-hmm. is not showing up in Ben Simmons. No. As there's a lot of reports that a lot of people in that Nets organization are getting very uh, annoyed or irritated at Ben's lack of passion, you know, in the locker room. Right. So there's that. Kyrie's not playing because he's doing his homework that he needs to complete before Sunday. Could be back by Sunday, they say. Um, so, and then you can go even past that. They still traded a bunch of guys just to get James Harden before who are providing very well for other teams, guys like Karis LeVert, guys like Jarrett Allen. These are guys who are, like Jarrett Allen, all-star, Karis LeVert, a very great role player that you lost for basically in the end a guy that's riding the bench being paid $25 million to do that. And I get the frustrations from KD because, like he said, he is one of the best and he is one of the best basketball players on the planet. And a lot of people do expect this team to be good. Mm-hmm. And this may not be the way to do it. No. To name out your starting lineup. But at the same time, you got to call these guys out because right now he's by himself. Yeah, but I can, I can understand the frustrations, but I'm still, I'm, I'm looking for him to stop whining and actually be a part of the solution to those frustrations and a solution to the problems. And, you know, unless you went to coach Steve, uh, Steve Nash enough times, said you wanted some of those things, never got them, unless you had a number of other teammates that went with you and said, coach, we all, instead of just you, like it's a KD thing, it's KD show, unless you and the team went to him and said, coach, we'd like this, here's why, you know, could we have more drills? Could we spend more time on this and less than, you know, shoot around? Um, Unless he did that, and I doubt, uh, he did a pretty good job of making himself look like uh, an an outward complainer, which he uh, complains often on what is now not his burner account, his real one on Twitter. And it doesn't make him look like a team guy. It makes him look like a me guy. My one retort to that yeah. would be, you know, he says it himself, ask ask Steve yourself. And in the end, he said he wasn't feeling that energy from Steve Nash. I think a lot of people, Nets fans included, will kind of agree that Steve Nash really wasn't the answer for that team. He says, you know, I wasn't feeling that. Nobody was on the same vibe with me. Jacques Vaughn is. I had some complaints in the summer, and my complaints were not just about me. It's about how we're moving as a unit. So he does eventually go on to say, hey, right now, what we got going on with Jacques right now, named the head coach, he's fine with that. Jacques Vaughn has already proven at his time as an interim head coach for the Brooklyn Nets a couple years prior that he can do something with the Nets. Right. So I think KD is saying... Look, what Jacques is doing is good. Now we just need some help for this team because right now we can't win if it's just me on offense. Yeah, but I'll I'll go back to I mean Steve Nash would have was was never the right hire. Uh, I think we can agree when he was given that job. But part of that responsibility, if if you're a, a leader in that locker room that knows that he's not the guy and that he is a fish out of water doesn't know how to lead the locker room. Do you want to see one of your guys get fired, a former player, someone you've played against? Do you want to see that? Or do you want to help him, you know, be a leader 
and help him run a team the right way. If you feel he like it's not being him, done. He was asking him to run those drills. How much was he asking him or was he just complaining to other people? Well, we that's won't the thing. know. I mean, that's, and that's the thing. We don't know that. Um, and, and I think that make a, a whole bunch of difference in, uh, in in how the narrative all you know ultimately plays out in this story. Uh, our M Dyer Global scoreboard is brought to you by M Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Speaking of the NBA, uh, they've got 11-18 to go in the fourth quarter. T Wolves have a 98-83 lead on Orlando um, on ESPN Television. Boston is in Atlanta, leading 62 to 53, and uh, Miami's got a 60 to 54 halftime lead. On Toronto, there is a big top 25 college basketball game coming up a little bit later on today. It's on ESPN two at 4:30 this afternoon. Number two Gonzaga at number 11 Texas. That one is big time. Uh, elsewhere in top 25 college basketball, number 20 Michigan wins at Pitt 91 to 60. Number nine Arkansas up on South Dakota State 41-29 at half. Number three Houston all over Texas Southern 43-20. That's at half. Number 22, Tennessee, defeating uh, Florida Gulf Coast, 65-40, 7-31 to play in the second half there. And we have Maction, including we've got the snow out of the century of the week. Uh, and I believe it's that Western Michigan and Central Michigan game. If you want to see it, uh, it's on ESPNU, although you really won't see much except for uh, a lot of white snow. And occasionally people running through it. It's 7 7, 11 29 to go in the second quarter. Uh, that's your Maction, uh, and it's on ESPNU. Uh, that's your M Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M Dyer Global. Always on the move. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update is on the way in just under five minutes. Uh, don't forget, call the coach with University of Hawaii head football coach Timmy Chang. He is coming up tonight at 6. Make sure you join us at the Moana Lewis Shopping Center at Ruby Tuesday. Or uh, you can uh, hear it right here on ESPN Honolulu. Or uh, you can watch it on our social media platforms. 6 to 7 o'clock tonight. It's brought to you by PAXA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW, Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, and HGEA. All right, uh, coming up next hour, Matt Neverett is going to join us. Uh, he covers UNLV. He's a play-by-play voice for them as well as for the uh, for the Las Vegas Aviators. That's their uh, uh, minor league team. You should see, by the way, what they turned uh, Aviator Ballpark into for, for winter. It's like this winter wonderland thing. Super, super cool. If you're headed to Vegas for the holidays and you're taking like your significant other with you, uh, that drive to Summerlin about 20 minutes out of Las Vegas might be very much worth it. Make sure you uh, Google search that if you're on your way to Vegas for, uh, for Christmas, but uh, we'll talk with Matt about UNLV plenty more. And uh, I'll tell you about Kyrie Irving. Why, why I've kind of adjusted my feelings on him. That's after sports center. Matt Neverett coming up just after the bottom of the hour. 
Great to have you in. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line is open for you all show long at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420 and send us your tweets. We are at Sports Animals. Uh, you can get to me directly at Josh on the radio. Uh, lots to do. Uh, we're kind of watching, or we have been watching the last couple of days. The XFL draft has gotten underway. Five players with Hawaii ties were drafted today to some of the different teams. There's actually uh, another day coming up on Friday, which will see specialists and 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 more. So um, we'll uh, we'll 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 kind of pay attention to that later on in the week to see if any other uh, any other players with Hawaii ties get drafted to the league three months out from uh, the return of the XFL uh, back to our television sets and uh, back to various different le- uh, different uh, stadiums across the country. We're, uh, we're, we're also watching a big Texas-Gonzaga college basketball matchup. Uh, that is getting underway shortly. It's on ESPN2, two top 15 teams. Uh, and this on the heels of the Champions Classic last night, which was uh, really good. Kentucky taking on Michigan State and Duke and Kansas. Four really solid programs. You got an upset out of that. Uh, but you kind of expect some really good games regardless of seed line. And so uh, we're starting to get into where college basketball gets uh, uh, gets really, really interesting. But as people are talking about basketball, they are still somewhat talking about uh, Kyrie Irving. We did get news within the last couple of hours that says that Kyrie Irving could be making a comeback, and he could be making that comeback um, as soon as Sunday. Uh, the Players Association's uh, Tamika Tremoglio did put out a statement to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, who says, and I quote, he has been grappling with the full weight of the impact of his voice and actions, particularly in the Jewish community. Kyrie rejects anti-Semitism in any form, and he's dedicated to bettering himself and increasing his level of understanding, close quote. For those that don't know the story, and you're wondering why is Josh walking cold into this, um, this is from a few weeks ago where uh, Kyrie Irving was criticized. He reposted something on his social media. It was a link to a, a, an Amazon, uh, it, was a, it was a link to an Amazon link to a, uh, a movie that featured some anti-Semitic tropes that um, made people very unhappy and, uh, and un- upset and hurt and offended. And uh, he would not apologize. There were people that, and I don't need to go into what's, uh, what's in the movie. I, I think that's been kind of parsed already. But um, he didn't want to apologize. He at you know, times tried to make himself look like the victim and so on. And then uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets had just said, you know what, you're not fit to wear this uniform, so you're going to be suspended for a minimum of five games. Five was Sunday, so we've passed that point. And, um, you know, we're going to get up a little past that and see what happens by uh, this coming Sunday when they get back into action. We've talked, I think, on on several different lengths about this story and its impact on people. 
And um, I, I found myself last night watching the uh, the Late Show with, with with Stephen Colbert. It's one of my favorite late night shows, uh, and it's usually the last thing I watch before uh, before I knock out at night, which is the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And you know, part of the conversation was not just around Kyrie Irving, but it was also around. Uh, a, a rapper who said things he shouldn't have said. Uh, that's got him in trouble. That's gay. I don't need to tell you his full name. There are. Um, it's 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 interesting to see the perspectives that a lot of different people bring, and the particular perspective last night that came from John Stewart really stuck with me. Because um, he basically said, we all have like in in their in their business, you know, they do comedy. They do sometimes rely and write jokes based off, you know, some of these tropes and and things like that. But what we're missing is a conversation. What we're missing is the ability to talk this out, which is why I think you you would hear someone like LeBron James say. You know, he's learning his stuff, but he should be allowed to play. It's why I heard other people believe that that Kyrie Irving should have been afforded the uh, the opportunity to not lose that time on the court. Of course, you know, indefinite suspension without pay, uh, but instead have the ability to to play and learn and have those important dialogues all at the same time. Um. And I and I I get it. I think I have said before that when you when you say something or you do something, and it has a certain consequence that is not just, you know, a, a, a it's it's not just a minor thing. I'm not finding the right words to to use, but it's not a a minor offense. That there are there are consequences that you kind of have to reap for that. And if that in, indeed means your wallet suffers because you're not playing for a minimum five games and you're going to lose a good chunk of your salary because you weren't thinking straight, then then so be it. But I think here's where the difference lies, and this is where I credit um, not only John Stewart, but it, this came to light as well on Saturday. You know, I don't know how many people watch Saturday Night Live. Um, it's another, it's my one of my favorite weekend shows. Uh, but Dave Chappelle was uh, was was the guest host on Saturday Night Live on Saturday, and he had a monologue that I actually watched back. Um, was it two nights ago? I think it was, it was two nights ago. or was last night. I can't remember. I think it, it must have been last night. Watched it back uh, because I was out. You know, UH football was playing, so I wasn't I wasn't home watching Saturday Night Live, um, but but knew that there was a apparent controversy surrounding the monologue, and a lot of the monologue was around Yay. Uh, it mentioned a little bit about Kyrie Irving um, and and the things that they have said or not said, or promoted or not promoted, that caused people to get upset. What I think, what what I think, and I and when when I listened back to John last night, 
what I think we miss, and I'll I'll readily admit it, um, I kind of miss too, is the dialogue. And if there's if there's anything I think people, if they want to justify a suspension, if they don't want to justify a suspension, whatever whatever the punishment is, um. If the goal here was, and, and I think we should all have, right, um, is to have healthy dialogue. Tanner and I don't agree on everything. It's not close, uh, especially his love for Drake uh, Drake May uh, from, from North Carolina. He is all aboard the Drake May gravy train. Um, I'm not. I don't know that that's a, a, a great selection. But what I will say is uh, Tanner and I disagree on that greatly. I'm still going to watch Drake play. Um, I'm going to still watch Tanner do parts of his show or or run the board and watch him running the board for me every day because I don't think anything different. Um, but in a situation like this, this is where context needed to happen and it needed to happen sooner rather than later you know um that is always like the missed opportunity when you don't really know what you're gonna do how you're gonna kind of kind of fix something that maybe you felt like you shouldn't have been in the first place uh, usually the easiest way to do it is hey let's just get everybody together let's get let's get me let's get the president of the school uh, or, or or whatever. Let's let's get these people involved. But you know what happened here with Kyrie, which is where it kind of got all wrong. There was no conversation, or at least the attempt of the conversation was thwarted off by Irving because he just wanted to defend himself. And um, that's why you're hearing more people now who have been saying, you know, let them, let them play. And it looks like we'll probably get that chance by, by Sunday, but they, they've been saying, let them play because he can learn. He can understand, um, you know, he can, he can study. He can use that time while he is playing, you know, early in the day to have some of these, these thought meetings, to have some of these, a good community opportunities to go in and really fix things. Uh, and we don't know how much of that has been done. Uh, and I'm not going to uh, pretend to know the answer to that. But where we went wrong is the immediate, this is what you are and this is what you aren't. What do I mean by that? When I say this is this is who or what you are versus who or what you aren't, um, the example I would probably give would be if you're one of those people that um, you hear you know you, you hear something and immediately your first thing to do is name call. And in in this case with Kyrie, right? Um, what basically happened was he was name called immediately. Now I'm not putting blame on everybody but him 
because he had an opportunity to right a lot of those wrongs, and he didn't. And he never walked him back. He doubled down. He made it worse. But it would it, it once it's once that's done and once a label's already placed on you, it's almost like it's too late. Like you can't do anything about it at that point because no one's gonna change their mind. That was one of the big points that I I took away from from last night's show and and uh, and, and the interview with John Stewart is look if we're not snatching a label onto something or just smacking a label on something and saying, okay, Kyrie retweeted this. He must be anti-Semitic. I think I've tried to make sure um, that we, we we don't go too far from from what our kind of boundaries are, right? We, we try to be respectful enough and... Um, you know, not get too carried away in the emotion or the hype of a story. But um, it it doesn't help where no one's helping each other here. And, And the other part is Kyrie's at blame because he should have been open. He should have been someone that at that press conference... Instead of just, you know, talking about uh, whatever it was they were talking about at the time, should have opened it up and apologized uh, for what was there. Should have done it. But um, it's partly his fault, too. But we have gotten ourselves to a point, and, and Tanner and I have these conversations every once in a while about how people react to things how people, I think sometimes we talk about how people label things as well. Whether you've been given a chance to earn or not earn that label um, is it, it's debatable, uh, but it's like the first thing you hear that you disagree with, you now have a label on you. And it, it shouldn't, you know, even if it is kind of like asinine, of something to have your name attached to, you should still have the ability to to answer for it. And then as I have always said, if it's still a problem and it's still something that doesn't represent you know your your values and you, then you know you you do what you want with it. But I've been I've been just honestly kind of amazed here and there at how it's been handled, both on the positive and negative side. Uh, and if you're a player that's had that label put on you, even if you, know, you can prove it's not true that you're not, uh, you don't have these anti-Semitic intentions and thoughts and and all of those things. Um, you'd like to maybe see that. None of that exists. You know what I mean? And that whatever happened, you can work through it. Not by name calling and not by um, tons of punishments, but but just talking. Talking and working through. And maybe that's something we learn out of this. On both sides. That Kyrie Irving is guilty 
of saying what he said. But Kyrie Irving is also guilty of not being super open into the conversation that needed to be had, regardless of whether it would have led to a suspension or not, being closed to the conversation, being closed to simply saying, I screwed up. I want to learn. Who better to learn it from? But I want, uh, I, 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 you know, I can at least have a conversation and, and understand. Still crazy, still crazy, fine. That's what we're missing. We're missing that dialogue. We're missing that ability to try, at least try to understand as crazy as it is what it is that, that that particular person is thinking when they say something or post something that goes against many different values and norms. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Watch Hawaii's future broadcasters and media specialists today. ESPN Honolulu, in partnership with Pearl City High School in Ken Sato, presents Road to the Ship. It is student-led video recaps of the HHSAA State Football Championships. Features game highlights, interviews, stats, and more. You can watch it on ESPNHonolulu.com and our YouTube and Facebook pages. Uh, big thank you to Hawaii Army uh, National Guard, Honorbox Chiropractic, M. Dyer Global, Pearl City Shopping Center, and Zephyr Insurance. We'll check on traffic here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, uh, Matt Neverett's going to join us. We'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about UNLV football and uh, kind of the view of this game from the UNLV perspective, comparing that to what the view was last year. We, we had this conversation in hour number one. How different this game felt for Hawaii fans a year ago with bowl eligibility seemingly on the line as compared to, to, to what it feels like now. Uh, in fact, it's a good question, I think, to throw out to the Hawaii fan as well uh, at 808-296-1420. We know what it felt like last year outside of the rivalry, the meaning outside of the game. What does it feel like to you now? Uh, at least this year's version of Hawaii and UNLV. It it conjures up what feeling for you, what importance, what value. What does this game bring to you? Uh, you can text in uh, kind of your feeling on that, and uh, we'll we'll take that coming up in just a little while. Uh, Rivals Fantasy Football Show, if you missed it earlier today, you can check it out on demand. It's at ESPNHonolulu.com and also uh, on the Sideline Hawaii app. If you, I think it's coming up a little bit later on today uh, where you can check it out online. Get all the fantasy info you need uh, to get you closer to the playoffs. So uh, make sure... Uh, make sure you uh, you have yourself a, a really good fantasy football week by uh, having the Rivals Fantasy Football Show as your guide. That is uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu weekdays. Uh, I'm sorry, Wednesday mornings at 8 live. Of course, you can listen on demand ESPNHonolulu.com. We'll check on traffic here. And uh, Matt Neverett on the other side. It's ESPN Honolulu. All of our guests, when they appear here on ESPN Honolulu, 
They do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, uh, you know a guy. We're getting ready for Hawaii and UNLV coming up on Saturday. Matt Neverett is uh, one of the voices of UNLV sports and uh, Las Vegas Aviators baseball as well. And uh, Matt joins us now here on ESPN Honolulu. Before, by the way, I, I even bring up UNLV. I did see something I think you shared on on Twitter. They're turning Las Vegas Aviators ballpark into what looks like this winter wonder fest of some kind in the month of December. What is that supposed to be about? <laughs> if you can call it that, yeah, it's a uh, group that comes in called Enchant, uh, and they, they, they're doing it more and more. We had it last year for the first time. Yeah, like like you mentioned, they basically take over, and we're just helping them out. And they uh, they put up the the biggest Christmas tree you've ever seen, all kinds of crazy lights and all kinds of uh, fun stuff for the family. There's some ice skating, so uh, you know us us out here in the desert. There's not too many skilled ice skaters, so it's always fun to uh, just kind of sit there and observe. But they're they're going above and beyond this year, going for more here in year two. They're, I I heard they're taking our setup and putting it somewhere else in town, uh, but that that remains to be seen. We'll wait till we get a little bit closer to Christmas for that, though. Yeah, I'm bringing that up for for anybody who's going up for uh, men's basketball in uh, in, in December. If that's going to be up at that point in time, if you want to make that 20 minute drive from downtown to uh, uh, to Summerlin, because uh, that that should be up by uh, first week of December, right? Oh yeah, it's uh, Black Friday, November 25th is the the opening day, and it goes through New Year's Day. So yeah, if you're heading out from the uh, from from the Cal or wherever else you might be staying, it's not too bad of a drive. Perfect. All right, uh, let let's talk about. UNLV football here as we get ready for Saturday. And and one of the things I was mentioning before I brought you on, the the different feel of of what this game feels like, at, at least for Hawaii. Last year it 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 had the added meaning of the bowl eligibility being at stake. Um you had a season that was just kind of frustrating. It was a really downtrodden point leading up to that. Um, and, and there was just like this deflation, um, you know, right at the end of that game, you know, I'm, I'm curious for, for UNLV, what this year's version of this game feels like, um, both mentally and, and really state of the program, uh, going into Saturday. Yeah, this is a, an opportunity for, for Marcus Arroyo to, to get a, a statement win. Uh, on the resume, I mean, they're, they're still eligible for a bowl if they're able to win these next two games, and it would be the first time since uh, 2013 that UNLV has been bowl eligible. So these, these next two games are, are as close to, to must-win as the program has had in almost 10 years. So you mentioned, you know, maybe maybe a different feel last year. This year, a much more optimistic feel uh, around the UNLV program in general. They've already uh, you, they've already beaten their win total from the last two years combined. They have uh, defensively taken away more balls via interception than the last two seasons combined, and they have you know, done a lot of things really well. They've run into a really hard middle portion of the schedule. So if you look at it on paper, UNLV coming in, the losers of their last five in a row, but it's against teams like Fresno State and San Diego State over the last two weeks. And, oh, yeah, don't forget, they went on the road to a little place called Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana, on the, the 22nd of October. So they've really had a challenging middle part of this schedule that they've come out, you know, losers of five in a row, but they've learned some things. They've kept it really close. And it's interesting, Josh, if you look at the numbers, a lot of their issues have just been slow starts. They have given up more than double the points that they've scored in the first quarter this year. They've outscored their opponents in every other quarter so far this year. So, you know, I think we lost Matt. 
Yeah. I, I think Matt got caught in either the <laughs> the winter wonderland that they're setting up there at uh, at, at uh, Las Vegas ballpark uh, or the dust storms that occasionally uh, find their way around that area. I, I, I'm still uh, I'm, I'm still thinking back to that that Sunday game we did where the dust storm was around and I couldn't even see past the ballpark because it was so dusty. You couldn't see the strip anymore, so it was bothering my eyes. It was it was uh, still an experience. I think we got Matt back now. I I don't remember where you might have left off on your point, Matt, but uh, I, I don't know if you if you want to pick up on where you left off. No, I was I was getting kind of getting towards the end there, but basically, it's, it, I'm not sure necessarily where it cut off. But the the slow starts have plagued the Rebels. They've been a really tough second half team, but if they can get a, a strong start. We'll, we'll know right away what direction this game is going to take. You know what I meant to ask before I asked you that question, too, was um, if you can recall back to last year, do you remember what the feel going into that game was? I, I think I'm trying to paint the picture, and I kind of failed to paint it from Chapter 1. So do you remember what the feel of, of last year's game was going in outside of you know rivalry game, being played at Allegiant Stadium, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, in last year's team, you know, they didn't have a lot of wins on the board, but they were a really scrappy bunch for UNLV. And as they got towards the end of the season, they got better every game as they went along. So when the matchup against Hawaii came, and I think my favorite game to go to last year was the senior day game against San Diego State, even though it was a loss. It was one of the most hard-fought games of the year at home where they really struggled. But, yeah, it is a, a, an interesting feel because last year the Rebels were trying to play spoiler, and it's kind of flip-flopped on its head this year where, you know, Hawaii's trying to keep UNLV from being bowl eligible if they're able to win at home. Matt Never joining us, uh, part of the UNLV broadcast teams, also does some work with the Las Vegas uh, Aviators. He joins us here courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Um, given the way this season started, and I, and I remember being really high on UNLV in the first you know, first month of the season, the way they looked. Um, if for whatever reason, whether it is this Saturday, whether it is the following week, if for whatever reason UNLV does not find itself bowl eligible, um, what what would that say about this program? Would it say anything? I mean, there's definite development. I mean, if you look from the start of Marcus Arroyo's tenure, the beginning of the 2020 season, and so – you know, where the program is now, they've done some really good things. They've had some of their best recruiting classes ever. Uh, you know, waiting for these guys to kind of progress through the system. It's been a lot of older transfer players, guys like Ricky White, Nick Williams, Aiden Robbins, that have done a lot of the, the heavy lifting, especially on the offensive side of the ball, almost as a, a bridge to when these young, top-rated recruits that they've been able to get uh, have been are, are able to work their way up and in, through the system and, and into starting roles. So even if, like you mentioned, one of these next two weeks the Rebels are unable to win and are not full eligible this year, there's still more optimism around this program than, than at any time in the last five-plus seasons just because of some of the names that they've brought in and uh, some of the, the progress that they've made. I mean, you know, they put up 52 and 58 points in their first two home games of the year, so it really doesn't get to too much better of a start than that. I think the, the showing against Fresno State last week really proved on paper and to the eye test that they are just as good as one of the conference's top teams out of Fresno. And then the, the game against UNR, I'll, I'll be on the call for that one, and I'm, I'm really, really excited because, you know, regardless of what happens this weekend, those Fremont Cannon games are, are always fun. So they've got a couple of interesting matchups coming up. But to answer your, your original question, I mean, just it is night and day the difference from just the, the position and the optimism that people had at this time last year versus now. You know, um, Brumfield's back, 
um, and, he, and he missed quite a few games. And it seems like even though he has returned, maybe the wins haven't come back yet, but it seems like they're getting closer. Um, outside of just clearly the, the wins and the losses, I, how much can you really quantify how important um, how important he is to that offense? Oh, he is the spark plug. I mean, even even with some of those names that I had mentioned in both the wide receivers and especially Aiden Robbins really having breakout seasons in their first year at UNLV, Brumfield was supposed to do this last year. He was hurt with a neck upper back injury and missed the majority of the season last year that cost him some pretty crucial development time. So even at the beginning of the season when he was doing really well and the offense was you know, flowing in the, in, in the non-conference slate, he, he really needed to progress just in the, in the in-game looks. You can't replicate those in-game looks enough. And then these past couple of weeks and the way that he's been able to come back and, you know, more manage the game than anything, but just the way that he's, you know, tempered the expectations, has been a, a real team player and has, has fed into what they've done well offensively and, uh, you know, feeding off of the defense that is uh, third in the Mountain West in sacks and among the leaders and interceptors as well. You know, just knowing that you don't need to go out there and make the stellar play every time. You don't need to necessarily put your body on the line especially as the quarterback uh, in some of these situations, just trusting the, the team around you. So I think that's been a big part of the, the development from Brumfield. But then at the end of the day, he's got that game-breaking talent where he can do it both with the arm and the legs and put it in the end zone on any given play. All right, getting ready for uh, UNLV football. But, of course, uh, Hawaii's going to be up there in a couple of weeks with uh, uh, UH basketball taking on UNLV. It's going to be at the Dollar Loan Center. You have seen that place a number of times. I'll see it for the first time. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I, I did want to ask you briefly about the uh, UNLV men's basketball team because uh, you and uh, you and Steve were on the call, I believe, of the Incarnate Word game, I think going back on Saturday. Yeah. And, uh, they beat number 21 Dayton uh, just last night, 60-52. to 52. I know we're, we're still about, what, uh, three weeks out from that Hawaii-UNLV game, but uh, the early read on the Rebels uh, are what? In, in, incredible defensively, and I was at the game last night. Got a chance to to really focus in from a, a fan's perspective, which you know you, you think you watch the game intensely as an announcer. I mean, it, it is a little bit differently when you're just watching it as a fan, especially in a game like that. UNLV was down ten at the half and absolutely dominated on the defensive side of the ball in the second half and had enough clutch three point shots to make up the deficit and then some. Uh, and knocking off a really really tough Dayton team that's likely to be playing on the second weekend of of the college tournament in March. I mean, it was really, really fun to see because the, the excitement was back in the building. Uh, a lot of the fans really started to come back in pre-pandemic levels, pre, you know, uh, TJ Offelberger, the, one of the old head coach levels. It's, in, it's been really fun to watch, and they are just stifling defensively. I mean, the, the, the amount of turnovers that they forced in these first three games is among the top in the country. Uh, they've, they've got a trio of really, really good defenders on the perimeter, Kashan Gilbert, who – uh, may very well win conferences defensive player of the year. Elijah Parquet, who was University of Colorado's top defensive player the last two seasons. And then Luis Rodriguez, who won SEC defensive player of the year at Ole Miss in one of his four seasons there. So they've got a really, really tough trio of guys around the outside. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm optimistic. Kevin Kruger's done a great job, not only in the X's and the O's, but on the recruiting side as well. And uh, he's, he's improving leaps and bounds every day here in year two. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, to see that game coming up in about three weeks, which, by the way, I just, uh, just learned as well. Uh, if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube, uh, but they can uh, they can listen to it, and we'll have it on radio when we're there at the Dollar Loan Center. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for giving it to us because I know you got a bunch of stuff going on, and, uh, yeah, I'll see you in a couple weeks. 
Anytime, Josh. Happy to come on. All right, that's Matt Neverett. Hey, is uh, also hosting uh, this week in the Mountain West this week on uh, ESPN Honolulu this week in the Mountain West. Uh, Wednesday nights at 7, and this week uh, Matt's guests will improve, uh, will include Andy Avalos, improve, uh, improve on, on me this segment apparently, uh, will include uh, Andy Avalos, Boise State's head coach, and Jeff Tedford, uh, Fresno State's head coach. So listen in to Matt this week in the Mountain West, tonight at 7, right after Call the Coach here on ESPN Honolulu. Time for our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Oh, Tanner. <laughs> Tanner's like, it feels like a long day. But it's not. It's just Tanner just wants to, to shut me off already. Tanner's like, I've seen too much of you already. Uh, college basketball, uh, they are about to get underway if they haven't. Number 11, Texas. Number 2, Gonzaga. Uh, that's such a huge early, early November game. Uh, meantime, number 9, Arkansas leading San, uh, South Dakota State, 71-53. Final 82 seconds there. Number 3, Houston up on Texas Southern, 75-39, 4-16 to play. 22nd-ranked Tennessee leading Florida Gulf Coast, 65-40, 7-31 left in the second half. Number 20, Michigan, 91-60 uh, over Pitt at Pitt. And by the way, the Gonzaga-Texas game, 12-9 Gonzaga, 14-25 left in the first half. That game is on ESPN2. NBA, ooh, that got ugly fast. Boston, 126-96 on the Atlanta Hawks. They're down to the final minute and a half uh, of that contest. It's on ESPN television. Uh, the Suns and the Warriors following that game. And uh, Minnesota, 98-83 lead on Orlando, 11-14 to go in the fourth quarter. And in action because, you know, people care about football. So we care about football. Going to the fourth, Eastern Michigan, Kent State tied at 17. Northern Illinois leading Miami, Ohio, 17-16 early in the third. And uh, in the, uh, the, 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 it's not the shades, uh, in the tonnage of the, uh, of the snow, didn't know how long it was going to take me to figure out the right word to use to go with snow. Uh, Western Michigan, Central Michigan tied at seven early in the second quarter. Uh, that is on ESPNU. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global, always on the move. Traffic here. It's ESPN Honolulu. We're a little over an hour away from Call the Coach with Hawaii head boss Timmy Chang. It's uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu. It is right there at Ruby Tuesday at the Moana Lua Shopping Center. And it is also over there uh, on your digital platform, however you uh, want to watch it on uh, that one and that one and that one. And uh, also uh, right there, your smart speaker. Just uh, say play ESPN Honolulu. Lots of ways for you to be a part of Call the Coach tonight. We've got one more after the final uh, home game of the year, or after the final game of the year, I should say. Uh, but this is the last in-season Call the Coach, and it is brought to you by PAXA, Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW, Local 1186, uh, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, 
Hawaii Pacific Health, and HGEA. Got some stuff on Twitter we'll get to coming up at the top of the hour. I started the hour uh, mentioning something I had watched last night on uh, on Colbert. They were talking with, uh, with John Stewart. And kind of going over the stuff with, with Kyrie and, and, and Yay and where we've all kind of missed. We, we all kind of, not, and I shouldn't say we all, but many, which is part of the problem, led to name-calling instead of maybe uh, trying to under, not understand, but um, seek answers and clarity and it, it it it's I think that's not helped, but also but but more so maybe widened the divide of where topics like that uh, kind of led us. If if you can understand where I'm going with it, and I'll I'll explain that a little bit more uh, coming up next hour. I see some of you guys on our Twitter feed at Josh on the radio. You can text into us at 808-296-1420. One of the things that we're asking you, um, what does Saturday's Hawaii-UNLV game represent to you? I, I think that's that's kind of my my other big thing here, given that, I mean, let's let's face it, it's, it is definitely a rivalry game. It is, it is definitely senior night. Certainly those emotions um, do not go away. But outside of that, because I mean, you kind of like to um, you kind of like to attach something along with a game. Why does this game mean just a little bit more than just the fact that it's on the schedule? Why does this game mean just a little bit more than um, the fact that it's a rivalry game? That there's a trophy on the line? Why does this game mean just a little bit more? Um, I feel like, honestly, for me, part of why this game means a little bit more is because as we get toward the end of the year, I actually kind of am using this as a litmus test to know, all right, where is this program going into the offseason, going into recruiting? going into all of those areas that are so important, where, where is this program right now? A win against UNLV, for example, probably tells me that this program is still with a ways to go, but trending in a, in a good direction that you've got a rivalry game that you can win, uh, you, can, you can avenge a, a, a disappointing defeat, you can kind of rally everybody together after, um, you know, a, a loss that was certainly tough. Uh, another opportunity missed in a conference game. You know, all of that stuff. Um, and then I, I would, I would, but I would say in a loss, a, a loss would make me look at the program. Then, of course, I have to look at the San Jose State game after that. It would, it would make me look at the program and then ask myself, okay, um, how. How far down has the program gone in the span of one year, two years, what however you'd say it's been that the program has been kind of on a on a on a downward spiral since 
last year's coaching exit and the player exits and uh, all of that turmoil. Like, I, it's, it's not just, to me, one game, but I think this is kind of like the, no offense to the San Jose State game now, but this is like the end of semester exam. And I think we'll get a great perspective about, at least in this case for me, um, what it's going to take. Does Hawaii know what it has to take? Uh, what it what does has Hawaii learned what it will take to win a key game? It struggled with that all year, really, except for um, two instances, and it's not enough. That, to me, is the importance. That is the larger-than-just-rivalry game, the larger-than-just-senior game. That's what it is. This is report card-like going into Saturday. Sports Center on the other side. Just take those old records off I'm having a really proud program director moment. The reason why I'm having a really proud program director moment at this radio station is that I am seeing someone in the other room who is continuing to grow and learn and is coming up with the hot takes that is making me even even me say, oh, whoa, Nelly. That's how hot the takes are. And that tells me my young Padawan, Tanner Hayworth, has certainly been absorbing, A, everybody's bad habits, and B, some people's good habits. And I'm not going to, and, and, and all I'm saying is, the whoa Nelly part has nothing to do with the bad habits. I'll tell you why. Um, I'm even pumping the brakes on a Tanner Hayworth hot take. Coming up uh, a little bit later on in this segment, uh, we'll get back to some of your texts and calls. I asked this earlier. Um, outside of rivalry game, outside of senior night, outside of some of those things, um, to you, the meaning of Hawaii football's matchup with UNLV this weekend is what? And I and I said earlier. Before we went to the uh, to the top of the hour break, I said meaning of the game for me is this is kind of like even though there's one more game to go, this is kind of like the end of the year exam. This is an opportunity for me to be able to see uh, how far this team has gone. Um, I don't expect like a, an A on the exam, but I want to see if if Hawaii against really its most beatable team remaining on the schedule regardless of what the odds makers say, uh, against its most beatable team on the schedule, how has Hawaii learned when it comes to learning how to win these kinds of meaningful games? And uh, and, and we'll get to some of your text messages here on that. Uh, and even on, on Twitter, at Cole underscore Nui Nui on Twitter says, if Hawaii football doesn't treat these last two games as not one but two bowls, they will feel especially left out of bowl season. Um, 
they were feeling especially left out of bowl season, I think, a couple of weeks ago when uh, they learned for sure that they weren't going to be bowling in bowl season. So um, I don't I don't think that that's anything new. Uh, but what's what it is along the lines is that uh, I, I think to your point, these are your bowls. Um, these are the two games that you probably circled the biggest on your calendar when the season schedule is announced. San Jose State, for obvious reasons, because Chevin Cordero is now the quarterback there. UNLV, because that was a proud rivalry game that a year ago you lost and that you want that big pineapple back. Um, You want to avenge what was, let's face it, it was incredibly disappointing that loss was last year. So you absolutely want to avenge that at all costs. Um, so, yeah, treat this as like the pre-easy post-Hawaii Bowl, Hawaii Bowl, if that, um, if that makes sense. That's what I would consider this. This is, this is the easy post-Hawaii Bowl in November. So look at it that way. Get a taste of um, of what this is like because it's going to have the crowd that the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl may not may or may not have in December, depending on on who goes there. Get a taste of what this is like, what importance this is, because uh, you will really need to kind of get yourself uh, acquainted to meaningful football at some point in the month of November and going into the month of December. So um, I, I I'd say I I see where where you're going from in the tweet. I think I would I would tweak it slightly. I I think to make it uh, at least for me uh, a, a little more understandable. Texter from the two nine one. Meaning for me, another loss. I'm a glutton for punishment. You know, I don't know why it is, but when I first saw the word glutton in the text before finishing the text, my immediate thought was Thanksgiving. Um, I punishment. I just, I had to reread the text to see the punishment part at the end. I, it, it doesn't mean it's another loss for Hawaii, but that's why I said that this being like the end of semester exam, um, you know, this is that game that shows, all right, have you learned enough in the last however many months and weeks to learn that you've got to know how to win a key home game. You've got to learn how to beat a team that you believe that you are better than. I I don't know that UNLV is a better team than Hawaii, regardless of the records, regardless of uh, you know, what, what the odds makers say. I don't know that um, because... UNLV's record at four and six is a little misleading given that UNLV has lost five in a row. They are, even with Brumfield back, they're still not the same. Um, They haven't won since Brumfield has come back. So they are beatable. They do give up some points. That's why, as I say, I think you kind of have or have to have that belief that you can win this and you know this is the passing the test part 
um, you know what it takes to ace it. You're not going to ace that test, by the way. Um, but you don't want to fail this one either. And that's why this is this is a grading point. This is the game in which I think after Saturday, I can give a much better grade on status of the program. I can give a much better grade, I think, on Timmy Chang. I can give a much better grade on coordinators. I can give a much better grade on uh, you know just uh, just the entirety of where that program is really just by this one game after you know 11 games of really up and down football what have you learned right before thanksgiving uh texter here from the 221 says uh look at uh, look at the game as a liftoff point toward next year's season yeah i mean i could i could see that being uh being good meaning as well that uh, you want this to be like going back to uh, to one of our, our our tweeters, people on Twitter, saying that um, you, know, you kind of look at it like a bowl game. Yeah, treat this like a bowl game that will give you that jump off in confidence to say, all right, we know how we can win a key game. Um, you know, no offense to Nevada. But I don't look at Hawaii's win against Nevada and call that like a key win. Nevada was one of the you know the downtrodden teams in the conference already, kind of like what um, you know Hawaii had been up to that point. So it's not really like I could say, all right, yeah, Hawaii's had you know the the keys to victory before in in key situations and key moments. You know, maybe moments, but when we talk about games that matter, Hawaii does not have a win this year in my grading system in a game that truly matters. Duquesne, FCS. Nevada, (laughs) you know what Nevada was. I don't need to remind you about Nevada. You might say, well, what's the difference with UNLV? The answer is not the rivalry. The answer is the ability to spoil someone's season. I would be putting that throughout the locker room like all week. I would be finding a way to make that bulletin board material. Make everybody feel like, hey, this is this is your bowl game to keep UNLV out of one. This is the most important game that you will play. Kind of the the the, the one and o mentality every week. I was just hearing uh Andy Avalos talk about it earlier. You'll you'll hear it on on this week in the Mountain West. Um he was talking about with Matt Neverett about the mentality going into this week and obviously uh the potential look ahead with the conference championship and and what's at stake with their game against Wyoming coming up. And he said, no, it's not something that we, we've talked about. You know, we just want to win the week. We want to be 1-0 uh, and o once again. And, you know, in, in this case, hey, um, like I've talked about, I, I think I'd, I could feel good if I said, you have an opportunity 
to make UNLV go 0-1 and, and not have something to play for. Yeah, make that your goal. Make that like your championship goal. I treat it a little bit differently than Andy Avalos would. Because Andy Avalos has a culture that he's trying to, I think, get back to, and he kind of has this winning, um, you know, any way possible of doing it when you're in a program that is always the, you know, you're always going to be kind of the underdog that does more than what it should in a place like Boise, Idaho. Try to bring that back. You know, it's it's a little bit different. There's an expectation there. Um, I don't think you can think sometimes at Hawaii and be like, you know what, we're just going to win this week. We're gonna we're gonna try to go one and zero. No, right now you got to go for everything. We're gonna spoil UNLV's year. We're we're gonna mess it up for them. Just put it all out there. Put it all on the line. Uh, one more. This is from the two two four. What grade would you give to the UH football team thus far? I am thinking a D plus or a C minus. Um. C minus probably sounds about right. I think a five, like I said, I think the best grade would probably come out after Saturday's UNLV game. I I can't go lower than a C minus just because I think you know I I think the defense at times has deserved better than that grade, and special teams, or at least part of special teams, has deserved better than being on a team that has a D grade. But I also know that there are a lot of people that care more about offense. And they're going to rate this team not based on the entirety of the team, but they're going to rate the team based on its offense and its wins and losses, not anything different. And I think if people took everything into account, I don't think they would go lower than that. I think a C, uh, a C- minus is probably a, a, a fair grade to give. Uh, you can text us. Keep your texts coming. Uh, for you, importance of this Saturday is what? We're not talking about rivalry. Um, I, not even, to me, ending UNLV season, but the importance of this Saturday. For me, this is the final exam. How do you grade it? Uh, how do you uh, put this game up in in, in importance level uh, coming up on Saturday? Text us, Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Call us at 808-296-1420. Tweet us at Sports Animals, at Josh on the radio. Uh, I'll get to this text on a grade uh, from Mark. I saw your text, Mark. I'll get to it coming up on the other side. But uh, don't forget, speaking of Saturday, we've got something pretty cool coming up on Saturday that we get to share with you. And it is going to be at the uh, the Varsity Circle. We're going to be doing uh, the Chick-fil-A zone uh, right before Hawaii football. So uh, check out our Chick-fil-A pop-up at the Varsity parking lot across from Pucks Alley on University Avenue. Uh, it's from 3.30 till 6 p.m. And here's why um, it is such a big deal. It's a fundraiser for Nakoa Football Club. And uh, Chick-fil-A is making sure that uh, they're not just doing this to just get Chick-fil-A's name out there, but they want to support University of Hawaii football, and that's what they're doing. That's 3.30 to 6 p.m. It's a special Chick-fil-A zone from the Varsity parking lot 
across from Pucks Alley on University Avenue. We're going to do the uh, countdown to kickoff show. Hunter Hughes and I will be doing that this week. We'll be doing that there. Uh, and, and enjoy uh, Chick-fil-A. It's from Chick-fil-A, home of the original chicken sandwich. Traffic and more coming up on the other side. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. I'm Josh Pacheco. Chris and Gary will see you tomorrow morning. It is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Mark texts in, says Josh, a C-minus is average. This team is failing. No offense, no defense. Ugh. And then Mark follows up and says, UH is rated one of the worst D1 programs nationally. Can't be average. I would tell you my response to that, but if only you could see Tanner Hayworth's face when I read that text message. Um, there was some some genuine disagreement that that was radiating off the face of Tanner Hayworth as soon as I read that. Or did I read your face wrong? <laughs> well, I think it just depends on how you're how you're grading, because I feel like at this point, it's fair to say I've this season I've been grading on a curve because we all know this is what this year was going to be. Yeah. And first of all, C minus is not average. No, it's not. So, well, what do you? What is average, by the way? A B. Okay. Even though technically, if you operate, it's it depends on the culture that you're brought up with mostly. Like a B should be the grade that you should get. For I was always raised like C's are terrible. Yeah, yeah. Even though in reality, like we all know, C's get degrees, but you don't want to be <laughs> shooting for a C. No, we don't, don't. want to be shooting for a C. I like C minus for right now. I want to see what we get for the last two games. Yeah. Then I'll feel more confident in going lower or going higher or staying there. By the way, I it's not been until the last two weeks where I've heard that phrase, C's get degrees. I've heard it now twice in the last week. And I never heard it before it up is until a this very, last week. Very common phrase. Is it new? No. No? Where have I been all my life? Well, I know where I've been all my life, but where in relation to everybody else, apparently, where have I been? Because um, I had never heard the C's get degrees thing. Like, that's always said. But like I said, if I thought we were doing average to, like, middle of the pack, if that was the season that was happening, I would say, oh, probably like C plus, B minus. Yeah. A C minus to me is a terrible grade, shows that you've been doing terribly. So... I think it would just depend on who's hearing and the kind of grading culture you were brought up with. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I did give the C minus, but uh, I'm with you. I, I grade on a curve and uh, I think you can't just grade. This is not like, um, this is not just like going straight to class. Um, and we'll go to the phones here in a second at 808-296-1420. It's not like, you know, in, in college football, not everybody is going into class, you know, taking a test on the same grading system and getting the same outcome of their degrees. 
or, um, you know, even getting the same opportunities like, hey, you can turn in your work a week late and still get full credit for it. You know, your classmate is on a different playing field than you are. That's my relation to college football teams and how you grade. You can't grade everybody the same because you have to grade on a curve because your class isn't equal. So that's I, I do agree with you on that part. You have to grade on a curve because there's no other way to do it when you've lost that much. And I don't I don't want to keep going back there. Um, but in this case, it is another one of the curve factors um, why you can't just be like, oh, you got to give an F. Like, what were you expecting? Like, what would have been an A, an undefeated season, and you really, really thought that you'd be grading on an even system for an undefeated system or an undefeated season? Stop that. Uh, we have traffic on the way. Dick, stay right there. Uh, we'll get to you coming up after traffic and after Sports Center. Don't want you to go anywhere. I'm up against the clock. But don't forget about the Rivals Fantasy Football Show, which you can listen to uh, every Wednesday, 8 a.m. here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 a.m. It is presented by Rivals Sports Bar and Lounge in the Waikiki Malia by Outrigger. Traffic right here. It's the Sports Animals ESPN Honolulu. Twenty-nine minutes away from Call the Coach at Ruby Tuesday in the Honolulu Shopping Center. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at ninety-two point seven FM and fourteen twenty AM. Great to have you in. We'll we'll go to the phones real quickly here. Brett McMurphy, uh, Action Network, and I quote: Big Twelve Commissioner Brett Yormark and Gonzaga AD Chris Standiford met earlier today in Austin, Texas, and there is quote growing mutual interest close quote regarding Gonzaga joining the Big Twelve. That's sources told Action Network. Gonzaga is playing right now against Texas in men's basketball. Although I, I like the way uh, Brett tweets this. Gonzaga played at UT in men's basketball Wednesday night. Um, Brett writing that like a newspaper writer. It's Twitter, Brett. They're playing right now. It's on ESPN2. You can watch it. It's not old news. It would also be helpful to Gonzaga if they win. They're losing. Texas is up 47-37 on Gonzaga. It's at the half. It's on ESPN2. Oh, did we lose, Dick? Oh, I thought we were going to go right to him. I was about five seconds away from saying, Dick, welcome to the show. Dick exited before he could even hit the stage. That's okay. Uh, we will get to, uh, we will get to the text line though. Texter from the, uh, 291. 2006 season, A minus. 2007 season, A. Would have been an A plus if they had beaten the Georgia Bulldogs in the Sugar Bowl. But this texter, and I, I'm, I'm reading the, uh, the, the text backwards. This is the old grades. He says, He's using Punahou's high school, Punahou High's grading system. By the way, it's not Punahou High. Punahou School. There is no Punahou High School. I heard that on a national broadcast, or it was a, I heard someone say it on some broadcast recently. I was like, no, it's not. It's not Punahou High School. 
Putterhouse School. We're we're making Tanner really mad. Can we stop? Says I'm using Putterhouse grading system D plus. Poor offensive, poor tackling, average QB play, low scoring and offensive numbers. Win loss is worse than I expected. Now that last part, the win loss being worse than than that person expected. Yeah, I think it's worse than a lot of people expected. But I also I don't I don't know how much I put blame on people for that. Um, I, I think there are a lot of people that were still just kind of writing positive thinking. Local boy comes home, you know, does a lot of the right stuff within the community, says and does a lot of the right things, easy to root for. But honestly, and you know what? I, I think we can we can criticize even ourselves. I don't I don't mind criticizing myself and 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 many others that maybe we didn't do all of our homework or just maybe chose to omit some things just because I think we were in such positive spirits about this team with the way it was being led as compared to the um you know from the last regime that I think it made you kind of just turn a blind eye to some of the very glaring things that you kind of had to remember. Like, you know, I, I think I didn't give a win total. I put it between, and you remember we had this conversation before the year started. I did it in tears. I didn't go like Dave Reardon did when I think he said seven games. Didn't Dave say seven or did he say eight? I forget what he said, but he had them go into a bowl. Seven. I was like, you know what? I'm going tears because I can't project it. But I had them in a bowl eligibility chance tier. I don't remember the name of it. But it was like between four and seven. And I guess two wins gets them to four and it gets them right into the lower end. Yeah, the the floor, you had a floor four, ceiling seven. We kind of, and, and I think that was probably the correct way to do it not knowing what you're going to see, how you could fall into the trap of being a prognosticator and say, they're going to have seven wins. Knowing that, how? That would have been really, really hard. And that's why I was like, you know what? I think they could be in the running for a bowl. They could. I don't know. But I'll put it in this tier. It was like the middle tier, and and that's where I had them in in four to seven. And they might honestly fall right below that. Uh, Mike here, as the team at times showed glimpses of hope, our expectations increased. We all need to remember the talent we lost, hence the inconsistency and frustration. Looking forward to better days. Keep supporting the team. Go Bows. Grades for the team: C. Coaching: C minus. And uh, one more for the two, two, one. C's are a pass. That's what they call C's. No, again, um, we're grading. We're grading on a curve, and you have to grade on a curve, given Hawaii's current situation is, um, knowing that the grade is not always fair. It's not always going to be right down the middle, but. 
it is on a curve. C is a definite, definitely not a pass. Getting away from grades. Texter from the 721. Josh, what happened to Governor David Ige's plan for the Aloha Stadium? Hey, speaking of grades, I was watching the Manoa neighborhood meeting. UH rep said they're only going up to 15,000 capacity because this is a temporary situation. Forget 17,000 seating. Um, that is not something I have heard specifically. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely kind of have to read into that a little bit more. I, I know I was paying a little bit more attention um, to what was being said around Aloha Stadium because I know there's a recent thing from the IAA Community Association. Um, they had put something out, which is weird because going by the, the preface of the text, I'm thinking, okay, we're talking about Aloha Stadium. The current plan for Aloha Stadium and we've got support for the new plans for Aloha Stadium. That came from the IAN Neighborhood Board and IAN Community Association on Monday. The thing is, they must know more than we do or they're guessing. Because um, Governor David Ige has been, what, seven weeks, eight weeks, and didn't come out and say anything. Um you know, truly on the record. Um, what they do say here, and they put out a statement, uh, KITV reported on it. They say they expect a redevelopment plan that combines state, city, community leaders, and private business to provide different services. These services will include an open-air concert venue. I wonder how the city is going to feel about that. You know, Waikiki Shell. Uh, restaurants, sports medicine school, cool and affordable housing surrounding the area. Uh, the governor-elect, I'm sure, has uh, had a say in that. It also says here, they disapprove of Governor David Ige's plans only including a basic stadium and feel the other services are necessary. They discuss the need for the plan to be a public-private partnership, not just a state-run effort. So... Hold on. So you say, I don't, am, am I just reading this wrong? They're supporting the new plans, but yet they're disapproving of the plans. They're supporting the old plans, not the current plans. And we have no bleeping idea what the new plans are supposed to be. For whatever reason, there is support for something. Unless I am reading that entirely wrong, or there is some really shoddy writing. Um, I don't understand that. But I think I could probably say something um, uh, along the lines of why we probably haven't heard from Governor David Ige. And... Quite frankly, I don't think we should hear from him at this point. As much as we've all been just kind of waiting and thinking that, you know, uh, while he's on the job, he probably should say something. At this point, he's 
kind of he's not the person people want to hear from. Um, the person who's going to end up kind of having to follow his words is the current lieutenant governor and governor-elect. And I think the current governor-elect has kind of stepped himself in front of the governor so much to the point that the last thing I think you want in government is one person stepping over another person, then stepping back over the other person, and then just having two guys contradicting each other all the time. It's unprofessional. Um, it shows a um, it shows a lack of unity and a lack of togetherness in government. And quite frankly, um, it was something that was very evident at times during the pandemic where you had the lieutenant governor that was kind of speaking out of turn over the governor. I don't know that many people necessarily recognize that, but there were at times, you know, areas where the now governor-elect kind of stepped out of turn and put himself in front of the governor and didn't kind of respect, to me at least, respect authority and place in line when it comes to um, you know, who should be saying certain things, where the message should be coming from. And, uh, you know, that's uh, my understanding is that's kind of gotten them in the dog that that had gotten them in the doghouse a little bit. And you're kind of potentially looking at a situation where you'd be seeing that again, except the only difference is um, the current lieutenant governor is going to be the next governor in about three weeks. So I don't think you need to hear from Governor Ige. I, I think at this point in time, whatever is going to be done is going to be in, done in consultation with Governor-elect Green anyway. So I think what you do at this point is you wait for Governor-elect Green. Let him be the one speak on the record. And then, because you have heard me say on this very show that I am always very wary about words without real action to them. And I have been a little concerned that some of the stuff about, oh, we're going to get this done quickly. It shouldn't take this many years. How? I'm still waiting, and it's been several weeks, in fact, probably a month since we first heard that during the campaign. I'm still waiting for an understanding of how exactly that you would get something like that done and not have it take until 2027. And so until I know, hear something that is concrete, that is tangible, that is workable, to me, that's how it should go. Put the onus on the words of the new guy and let him deliver on what he says or let him sink if he fails on what he says. I think that's um, that's kind of the way it would look, I think, in the last uh, couple of weeks of Governor Ige's term. We'll wrap things up in a moment. Next Tuesday, we'll be at Growler Hawaii for the Really Big Run Show. I can't do the Chris Hart thing. It's our fourth edition. Artie Wilson, Charlie Wade, and more will be there. 
So will I. So will Chris. So will Gary. So will Kanoa. And hopefully, so will you. 3 to 6 p.m. next Tuesday. We're on Kapahulu. It is the really big road show. It's the fourth edition of the show. And we'll have it right here on ESPN Honolulu. Traffic, final thoughts coming up in a moment. This is ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, it is Call the Coach with Timmy Chang at Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. Uh, I don't know if they're uh, if, if they're hearing us on site, but if they are, you can applaud. You can you can clap. You can applaud. Uh, get ready. Get get warmed up. Get ready for the show. Uh, Ten minutes from right now, you'll be applauding again as uh, we open up the show. Listen in right here on ESPN Honolulu. Be there. Ruby Tuesday in the Moana Lewis Shopping Center. I don't know if our team there, by the way, if uh, – uh, if they've got a photo they can share with us of how full it is down there, um, get down there. Uh, if there's any uh, open tables left, uh, be a part of the show. Oh, uh, your smart speaker. You can listen to it uh, on your smart speaker by saying, hey, smart speaker, play ESPN Honolulu. It's brought to you by PAXA. Ruby Tuesday, Hawaii, IBEW, Local 1186, Hawaiian Financial Federal Credit Union, Hawaii Pacific Health, and HGEA. Uh, before a uh, final thought today, I am someone who is big on competition, if you know me. So I'm a little disappointed when it comes to some of the new words being used in the competition game called Scrabble. Uh, I haven't played Scrabble in a long time, but I'm a big board game person. And uh, Scrabble was always one of the difficult ones just because I always just had a really crummy pick of letters to use and Eh, many times I lost. But uh, Scrabble has uh, added more than 500 new words to the official Scrabble dictionary. But it's not that they've added 500 more words. It's the words they have added that are questionable. For example, adorbs. I know that I am in the younger part of this demo. Tanner Hayworth is younger than me. We are both in agreement. Adorbs is not a word. Um, I don't know that I have ever used the word adorbs in my life. It, well, until this segment. Um, that sounds like for the, uh, for the moms talking to their young kids. Oh, that's so adorbs. That is not a word. That does not belong on a Scrabble board. Zoodle. Don't even know what Zoodle is. Wait, you you know what Zoodle is? Oh no, Z uh, Zoodle. What is what is Zoodle? Zucchini noodles. Are we just lazy? Yes. Then it shouldn't be there. Not a word. Blame the vegans. Just call them zucchini noodles, or just eat zucchinis. That's lame. These are apparently um, words. Weren't commonly used when the game was first created in the 1930s. No kidding that these words weren't used in the 1930s. Were there even people thinking about zucchini noodles in the 1930s? Other words. Maybe the only one I can really agree on. Jedi. Um, that is a term that you can use. But uh, you cannot use Yoda. 
Uh, other words that do seem to make sense, deep fake and subtweet. But here's another one that apparently is a word, according to the new Scrabble dictionary. Guac. Guac is not a word. They consider this part of the slang that has been added into the dictionary. Vax is also part of the slang that has been added to the Scrabble dictionary. Merriam-Webster's editor-at-large says the new additions to the dictionary give players an opportunity to, quote, up their game while celebrating the riches of the ever-expanding language, saying English speakers like to have fun with words, and no one does it better than Scrabble players who make excellent use of words both obscure and common, close quote. Actually, what the editor-at-large of Merriam-Webster was trying to say was, we need to sell board games. And in order to sell Scrabble, we need to actually have words in Scrabble that people can use so they can use them and then buy the board game and play them. And, oh, not like people don't make up their own rules in Scrabble and do it anyway. Glock is not a word. Sorry. And adorbs is definitely not a word. Stop it. Call the coach with Timmy Chang. It's real. It's good. Those are words. That's next.